Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Welcome to episode 226 of the AR-15 Podcast. I'm JD, and tonight we'll be talking to Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics. Uh, this week, uh, we had to schedule kind of a, a phone interview during the middle of the day. So uh, Reed and I will be on the phone with Mark. So the quality may be a little bit different, but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to enjoy the show nonetheless. You can support the AR-15 podcast by picking up some of our patches, shirts, and stickers. A portion of each sale comes back to us, helps us upgrade equipment, and we're uh, trying to get a, a new website off the ground to be able to host all the episodes of the show and uh, share other information with you. So you can check that out, patriotpatch.co. Look for the partners link, and you'll find the AR-15 podcast gear there, and we greatly appreciate all your support. So with that, we're going to jump right into our interview with Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics. We have an opportunity this afternoon to talk to Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics. Mark, thank you for joining us on the AR-15 podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we, uh, I got a, a demo package from you guys a couple weeks ago, and uh, I've been putting things through the works. And Reed, I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed with the craftsmanship and the quality uh, that Vortex puts out. Uh, it was the first time I've gotten my hands on some of the products to be able to use and uh, was able to take them out this weekend and uh, put them through some tests. And for the value and what you get, Reed, I'm pretty impressed by what I'm seeing. Uh, Reed, do you have any experience using Vortex stuff? So, see, I've got a, uh, I believe it's a Strikefire 2, and I have, uh, I believe it's a, uh, I want to say it's a Viper, but you probably get me by in here. It's a one to, I think it's a one to six or a one to eight power. Uh, so. so it's probably, it could be one of a couple things. It could be a Strike Eagle. It could be a, the original Viper PST one to four, which is now it's, we have the, it's the, the original. PST. Yeah. Is it? it was a pre Strike Eagle, um, one to four. Okay. Gotcha. And then I'd say the caveat to that would be uh, unless it's the uh, the Razer HD Gen 2 1 to 6 by 24. Uh, probably not that one because I'm thinking that might be a little bit out of my budget. <laughs> you seem like a top shelf kind of guy. <laughs> well, I am. The problem is, is I have a wife and I agreed that I'd buy her purses for some of the stuff I bought. And <laughs> that was stupid and foolish, but you know, it was the beginning of our relationship and I thought I was being really magnanimous. I tell you, you know what? It's it's uh, I I respect the move. You do what you got to do. <laughs> well, you know, she hasn't stood in the way of any of my acquisitions. It has just slowed the pace of them. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Mark, let's uh, let's get a little background on you first. Uh, how did you get into firearms, and uh, how did you get involved with uh, Vortex Optics? So yeah, man. So um, man, quick background on me: uh, born and raised Washington State. Uh, so uh, you know, the Western Washington—that's kind of my my uh, stomping grounds. Uh, went to school at uh, Washington State University and finished up uh, with a degree in in advertising and marketing. But kind of at the end of it, knew the thing I knew how to do best was uh, hunt and fish. So I figured I better get a job that had something to do with you know hunting, fishing, and, and guns. And uh, so that led me to a couple. Uh, uh, Retail-oriented jobs, uh, and then worked for Cabela's at their corporate headquarters for approximately seven years, and then uh, found a home at Vortex and, and haven't looked back. How long have you been with Vortex? 
boy, heck, uh, going on nine years now, which is hard to believe because it's been unequivocally the fastest nine years of my life. I mean, it's been uh, it's been an amazing experience, awesome company, amazing people. Um, everybody's just got their heads down, charging the whole time, and you know things are they turn and burn and they move quick. But uh, you, uh, you you definitely couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't build or or be at a better company. So you've you've actually watched the company grow from you know, probably pretty close to the beginning to where it's at today. Yeah, and it's been, I mean, it's been um, exciting to watch. You know, it's exciting to feel like you've somehow, you know, had had a role in that growth. Um, you know, it definitely is a huge, huge team effort with just amazingly talented people over here from, you know, the engineering side to the, to the sales guys to marketing to, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, you know, customer service, our customer service team, which is, um, you know, really customer service in general you know it's just at the core of vortex i mean that's just an amazing group of folks and um and so yeah but to, to watch it grow um in, into where it is today has been amazing you know when i first started you know you'd go to you'd go to a uh, you know consumer trade show and and which i was happy to answer it but the number one question is you know who are you guys now what do you do and and now it's just it's so um it's so cool to um when people come and, and you get a chance to talk with them and they're familiar with the product or, or maybe they, they own one of the products and, and, uh, you know, heck you get some guys that know more about it than you do, you know, which is, which is awesome. So what, um, let's talk about the, the, I, I guess the customer service and the warranty is some of the things that have come up the most, uh, when we mentioned that we're going to have Vortex on and we've talked to the listeners and the feedback we've got from them. You know, uh, we are involved with a lot of people in the firearms industry and, uh, you know, I'd say about 97% of them, uh, knock it out of the park when it comes to customer service. Uh, some of them yep. don't. Uh, and in that 97%, there's probably just like a, you know, you know, they're medium. They, they do good. They'll, they'll, they'll take care of you if they have to. But I mean, what I'm seeing from you guys in Vortex, it's really a core value of the company. And not to sound like a commercial, but seriously, that is one piece of feedback we got back from multiple people about the customer service at Vortex. So, so yeah. And I mean, you nailed it. You know, I mean, it's, it's at the core. It's at the heart of, of, darn near everything we do here you know from um from the product itself right you know we want to build a superior product um at at the best price possible so that customer is getting the absolute best product um for their dollar spent right you know and everywhere from from um you know service you know before you know helping you know maybe assisting somebody make that decision um you know sorting out exactly what their needs are so they get the the best optic um you know to, to suit their needs to you know, once they have that product, um, any any follow up information they might have or service in any capacity, and then you know we try to build our stuff so a person never has an issue. But certainly, crazy things happen, and uh, we're going to back that product uh, with what you know. And you know, of course, you know, beat your own chest, right? I always sit in my vortex chair, but with with what, with what I truly believe is the best um, warranty in the business, which we call it our VIP warranty, um, which stands for very important promise. Um, and, and it truly is an unconditional lifetime transferable, no fault warranty. Um, you know, like I said, we, we try to build our stuff so nobody has to use it, but things happen. And, and, uh, if somebody ever has an issue, we're going to take care of them. And that's, that's just the bottom line. So there, what's the craziest warranty story that uh, you've had come across your desk while you've been there? You know, um, there's actually a lot of them, you know, you might, you might be surprised. We've had everything from, 
a, a, a person had a bear in camp that destroyed their camp and uh, incidentally uh, uh, not on their binoculars. Uh, so they're, they're pretty chewed up. Um, we had an individual who, uh, thank goodness nobody was hurt, but they uh, had a uh, uh, accidental discharge uh, in their pickup and actually uh, uh, fired a hole through their spotting scope. Uh, it was no longer uh, argon purged after that, but he was actually able to use it for the remainder of his hunt. So it must not have been uh, must not have been raining out. But uh, um, so yeah, those those are two wild ones. I mean, house fires. Um, one guy had a brand new pickup, had a bunch of his guns in the back, and his pickup caught fire, and they lost the whole thing. And you know, he's able to you know salvage you know I guess you, what was left of the firearms and and optics, and and we took care of those folks. And I mean, like that's what. Uh, you know, truly, I mean, when we say unconditional, I mean, we, we definitely mean it. Reed, you got a question. Hey, Mark, we, we've had a Vortex on the show before, and, you know, at the time, you know, we had talked about, you know, the, I guess the uh, the path that your products take uh, through the manufacturing process, and, you know, I want to say that that was probably at least a year, probably two years ago that we had you all on. And I know okay, gotcha. it's not... Not all of your stuff is made in the U.S., and there is kind of this, you know, no quarter given. If it's not U.S. made, I don't want it kind of, you know, demographic. But can you walk us through the part that even though you have components that are made overseas, what is it that Vortex does to ensure that you're bringing quality back into the States and putting a quality product in front of the consumers? And and that it's not just, well, we have superior customer service and we'll replace anything because, you know, we have a higher than usual failure rate. We don't want anybody to notice. I don't think that's it. But, I mean, what is it that that is that distinguishing factor that differentiates you from some, you know, Chinese clone company and you can't even find them for a warranty? Sure. Well, you know, um, great question. Um and I'd say, you know, it all starts really here, right? So, um, so in general, right, you know, I'm speaking generalizations here, but so we've got a deep line of, uh, of optics, right? Everything from, from hunting oriented optics to, you know, quotation marks, tactical optics. You've got, um, red dots, long range precision shooting rifle scopes, um, you know, a little bit of everything, right? Now within each of those, you know, categories, you know, we're going to have different tiers of quality right so um a person that may not be able to get that you know that razor hd gen 2 1 to 6 by 24 which um is truly a top tier 1 to 6 uh may find a home with the strike eagle 1 to 6 by 24 which carries you know a more uh, a friendlier price tag if you will now um all these products that we're talking about here so depending on the piece it will actually be manufactured in japan the Philippines or China with select pieces um, manufactured, you know, 100% uh, in the U.S. So um, now when you talk about the quality control, that's where I say, you know, that, that starts here, right? Because, you know, we have our in-house team of engineers that are working hard to, um, you know, design and engineer products that, that work, right? So, um, you know, and work, op- work optimally for that for each application, as well as you know, um, we try to exceed expectations in that regard. You know, if you've got if you got two hundred dollars to spend on an optic, you're darn right that we want it to be the best two hundred dollars that you could have spent 
on an optic. If you've got two thousand dollars to spend on an optic, same thing. So, um, and then you know, and then we try to you know we stay on top of that. We've got you know an inspections team. I mean, you know, you name it. You know, throughout the entire process, the life of that optic, you know, from conception um, to ending up in a customer's hands, um, you know, we're we're pretty. Uh, we try to stay on point as possible to make sure that. Um, that those optics are going to exceed that customer's expectations. Do you think that having a facility in a country like Japan um, is a different ball game than, say, doing business with uh, a Chinese company uh, in the the sourcing and manufacture of, of uh, the various lines? And, and you know, I'm going to be kind of stereotypical here and and say that. You know, Japan being more like a uh, modern Western nation is going to have um, a finer point on their manufacturing uh, capabilities than, say, a country like China. Um, and with the various issues that one faces in communist China, um, it's probably easier to get a higher quality out of a Japanese partnership consistently than it would be a Chinese company. So does that mean that you might source um, a scope line for one country or another based on those kinds of decision factors? Or is it, well, we get all of this certain kind of component from China because they have that capability and they do it really well, while we only get our glass from Japan because they can grind glass and they do it really well and we only get this thing from the Philippines because they do that really well? Is it stratified whole product by country or just components of various products by country? So, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and that's another good question. I think, you know, I think possibly historically, you know, and I guess I speak to this, you know, when, when in some ways maybe I shouldn't, right? Because I'm, I'm not on the engineering side. I'm not on the sourcing side. So I'm not the one, um, you know, working directly with these factories, you know, at, at various locations around the world. I guess what I what I could say, you know, I feel pretty safely is, you know, I think probably at one time, you know, maybe these delineations or, or it was easier to separate things out like, oh, if you get something from here, it's likely not going to be as good as, an, uh, as if you got it from, you know, maybe a different location. I think a lot of those gaps over time and, and probably naturally, right, they've, they've been narrowed. Um, I'd say the biggest rule of thumb is, um, not rule of thumb, but it's really, you know, when we're designing a product and specking it to do certain things a certain way at a, at a certain quality, right, um, is that factory capable? You know, what is the end result? Because really that's the bottom line. Like, what's the end result? Like, is this product meeting those specs? And if yes, and if that factory is capable of doing it, then I would assume that, you know, it it would move forward, you know, in that fashion. But like I said, I don't work directly with those things, so probably can't speak to it as well as other people. So take anything I say there with a grain of salt. But those are kind of some right. things that I think I, that I've seen over time. Yeah, I think anecdotally the, the issue that I've always faced is buying something that is very um, bargain-priced and realizing that the bargain price you paid for it um, results in a product that doesn't deliver up to at least the baseline expectation. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. typically sourced from, you know, manufacturers or countries of manufacture where um, really they can get away with it. It's almost like, you know, economies of scale. 
you know, I don't care if, you know, one out of five of my scopes doesn't work because I can sell four and still make a huge margin on it. And, of course, the consumer is the one that pays, you know, in terms of the one failed scope out of every five. That's a whole lot of negative reviews wherever you get those things. Oh, yeah. And, yep. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of um, a hard lesson to learn. But then what I think is, you know, how, how does Vortex dump that? particular bias in a consumer when you can put out an equally priced optic that has better performance, better, uh, more consistent manufacturing, and better quality control because, you know, you don't have those high failure rates. But on par, you're producing a product at the same price point. I mean, is that just something that's driven entirely by your U.S. group making sure going the extra mile to see to it these factories are doing what they're tasked to do? I mean, that seems I mean, I like think, a hard thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely part of it, right? You know, or, or even a big part of it, you know, to your point, you know, and, and I've even heard some people say, you know, like, like well, yeah, you know, you've got that warranty because the guy's going to need it. It's like, well, actually, no, it wouldn't be a good business model at all to have that warranty if, we, if everybody's going to need it because, you know, you'd be sunk pretty quick, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that comes down to, you know, the designing and the specs um, and, and knowing, I mean, you know, we're a group of passionate, you know, shooters and hunters and, um, and you know, outdoor enthusiasts. I mean, you run the gamut. You know, I mean, you, you want somebody that's super into three-gun? We got that guy. You want somebody that's super into Western hunting? You know, we have those people here, too. Long-range precision shooting? Yep. Lots of guys are really into that, too. So, you know, we eat, sleep, breathe those things here. They're, you know, those passions are at our core as, as individuals and employees here. Um, we know how important that optic performing when you need it to is, you know. Um, you know, if, if a person is on, well, heck, I don't even care. I don't care if you're hunting whitetails in, in your backyard or you're hunting, you know, white sheep, you know, in the, in the Chugach, right? Like, your optic needs to perform when you, when it, when you need it to, right? You right. know, or, or, or if, you know, if you're law enforcement and you're, you know, kicking down the door, damn right your optic needs to perform, right? So, um, I guess for that reason, I think it doesn't necessarily even cross our mind that we're not going to, you know, have the, the end result or the end product, you know, be capable of, of handling, you know, the task at hand. All right. So that was maybe a, maybe that was a roundabout way of getting there, or maybe it didn't answer your question, but well, hopefully, you know, hopefully there was something in there. <laughs> the, the experience we've always had is that they're great products. They're well supported, incredibly um, warranted, and you know I don't think that you get just like you said. I don't think that anybody puts out that kind of a warranty unless they have faith in their product. Um, it's a surefire you know path to bankruptcy if you don't have a good product. Yeah, but um, you know, it is a very um, dense market. There's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of different people trying to throw products at you. And you know, I think a lot of them are really poorly supported, poorly designed, poorly manufactured. But you know, they they have a, a palatable price tag. Um, sure. You know, I don't think you can spend $3,000 on an optic and not get something good unless you really are the kind of guy that buys bridges and, you know, beachfront property and deserts. But, 
you know. But yeah, I mean, to your to your point though, I remember when we um, well the strike fire, right? Super solid red dot. Um, it's been in the in the vortex lineup for a number of years. Um, and I think initially, honestly, the, the price takes scared folks off, right? Because it was a super solid dot, way durable. Um, but you know, the price tag that it carried, I think, you know, probably and, and possibly by some guys had gotten you know a little burnt in the past by other optics. Like, ah, no, nope, I'm not going down that road again, you know. But to your earlier point of 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 kind of word getting out, you know, I mean, we live in this this information age where. Um, you know, if somebody has a positive or negative experience with, with anything, right, it can instantly be out for the masses to see. And I think over time, you know, like even an optic like that, people are like, oh, wait a minute, you know, there's there's some merit to this optic, and, and it's definitely, um, you know, an, an extremely well performer for us, you know, for those reasons. Well, on the other end of your optic line, so, I mean, of course, you, you have this array of companies that have been putting out, you know, very... Uh, elite optics, you know, and, you know, they're in the 3000 plus dollar price range. You know, you see them on the, the, the tops of the rifles of the, you know, extreme long distance shooters. You know, they're put on the tops of rifles for snipers. And, you know, your equivalent product still come in at a pretty significant discount from those heights. And yet, people seem to clearly gravitate towards them and speak their praises, even though they don't have to shell out the dollar. Um, how is it that you're able to do that? And, I mean, are there places where Vortex knows that they can sacrifice a particular um, characteristic or a particular quality for the sake of a customer's pocketbook and still deliver a top-tier optic? So, yeah, you know, I mean, and that's a good question. Honestly, I, you know, I probably don't have the answer to that. I mean, I, I would say definitely no on, you know, the latter of what you're saying. It's not like we're like, oh, you can cut a corner here, right? You know, I mean, I, I, that's not something, you know, you know, that would be, um, I just can't see that being something, you know, we do. Now, if it was a non-essential thing where you could cut a corner, you right. know, I guess that would just make logical sense, right? But, I mean, I'd say, you know, you know, we're talking a little bit about, you know, things that are at, at the core and, and heart of what Vortex does. And, and you know, and, and some of these questions are probably left, you know, better left for the engineers, the guys who are, you know, actually designing these things and, and know the true ins and outs. But, you know, providing a superior product or, you know, at, you know, at a high level of value, you know what I mean? Like I said earlier, you know, if you, if you got, if you spend a dollar of Vortex, you know, we want to make sure that you're getting more for that dollar than if you spent that dollar somewhere else, you know, to put it, right. you know, um, and, and, and how those guys are doing it, you know, I, I don't have the answer. Um, it kind of mystifies me at times, but, um, but you know, that's, that's something we work hard at for sure. Well, so right now, what would you say is your highest tier uh, rifle optic? So I would say, you know, on the long range side, um, you've got the Razer HD AMG, right? So, um, it's a six to 24 by 50. Uh, pop up and down locking turrets. They track super true, um, illuminated glass edged reticle. I want to say it's coming in at 28.8 ounces, uh, with a 30 millimeter tube. Uh, I want to say it's got on, in the MOA version, like 96 MOA of travel. So you've got an immense amount of travel in the 30 millimeter tube. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would definitely be, you know, optically it's off the charts. Um, 
you know, so on the uh, on the long range side, I'd say you know that that's our top tier, and you know, kind of right along with that um, is the Razer HD Gen Two, which in that series we talked a little bit about the one six by twenty four. There's a three to eighteen by fifty, as well as a four and a half to twenty seven by fifty six, um, and and those are definitely you know optics that I would say um, compete at the highest level and you know like i always say i I sit my vortex chair but i think um you know there's some in there that are probably the best optic out there for the application right you know and then you get Um, into the hunting side um the razor hd lh series would be kind of like more of a general hunting optic but um you know phenomenal glass phenomenal coatings you know truly truly stunning image quality and a very lightweight compact package, kind of conversely to, to the other ones, which are, um, you know, just, you know, different optic, different application, but, you know, like the same level of performance in a lot of ways. Right. So do you find that, that there is still a very distinct kind of delineation between uh, the sportsmen, the hunters, and the guys that are going to kind of want all of the tactical accessories on their optic? You know, so um, I, I'd say it depends on the person. So um, it depends on I'd say it depends on the person and 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 predominantly how they're using the optic. And and to your point, man, um, it's been very it's been very blurred. Uh, you know, a lot of um, you know people in the hunting hunting community have really adopted um, a lot of the tactical features and and demand right. not demand but you know they like to see those features incorporated either into their optic that is, you know, designed more for hunting, or a lot of those guys are just saying, no, these are the features that I want. So they're buying, you know, I guess that's kind of why I put things in quotation marks, a tactical rifle scope, but for a hunting application. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've still got some old optics that are probably older than JD that I still hunt with. And, you know, they're, you know, old scopes with, you know, the caps on them and you get out your dime and make your adjustments at the range and you never touch them again until you go back out to the range to make sure you're still on and, yeah. you know, yeah. that's you know, just I mean, to not like today, not like the tactical scopes with, you know, very tactile turrets and completely different feel to, you know, handling the scope. It's amazing yeah. the you know, and that, and that's, it's that's amazing the ingenuity. You know, I mean, it's like holy mackerel. Once you got a good zero, you know, don't touch it. You know, I mean, you know, dialing your turret, and that's just you know bad juju, right? You know, like holy mackerel. Yeah. Um, and and in today's day and age, it's it's almost the norm, right? You know, with with the rise of of long range shooting, and and really, I think a lot of technologies just you know um, evolving. You know, which you know, in my opinion, the laser rangefinder was kind of the catalyst for all of it, right? Being able to know your range, holy mackerel, you know, I mean, everything else kind of fell in line with, you know, um, ballistic calculators and, and, and rifle skills with turrets that are, um, you know, built to dial, um, you know, I mean, a person with the right equipment and some good knowledge and practice can, you know, execute shots, um, quite handily and with, uh, with precision and consistency, you know, stuff that you wouldn't have even thought about, you know, not even you know ten fifteen years ago, right? For I'd say for the average person, um, and so you're and like we talked about before, a lot of those things are being adopted by um, 
by the hunting community where, you know, you'll, you'll see a guy in the field and, you know, he'll have good dope for his rifle and, and, and the cartridge that he's running and, you know, be out there with a Kestrel and, you know, ballistic calculators and good dope. And, you know, those guys are using those technologies, technologies to their advantage to, you know, um, uh, in the field and, and, and it's working quite well for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. JD, were you saying something? I was just amazed at the ingenuity that uh, they had to build optics like that from the cave when Reed's talking about the optics he's putting on top of his hunting rifles. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we used to just, you know, draw animal guts across a woven ring of sticks and kind of put it in front of our bows, straight crosshairs (laughs) and aiming devices. And, so hey, you, and those work too. Those work Reed, too, you know? Reed, are you telling me you're the original inventor of iron sights or wood sights, as you would call them? Well, wood and animal sinew sights, yes. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. And um, I'm thinking this past weekend, Reed, I made it out and uh, we had some family trigger time, which is great and it's fun and you bring the whole family out shooting, but it's a whole lot different than individual trigger time when you get to, you know, actually work with things and take your time and do stuff. But, uh, I was using some of the vortex optics that were sent out and, uh, I have to tell you the, I think it was a strike fire. I'm pulling up my notes here. Um, that was on top of the, uh, strike fire two, uh, on top of my Daniel defense rifle. I know that rifle is zeroed in on its iron sights. Um, and so I, I kind of co-witnessed it and messed around with it a little bit and compared it to uh, a couple other optics I have that um, probably one of them is double and the other one's probably triple the uh, manufacturer's retail price of those optics. Um, I got to tell you, I was quite impressed with the quality of the build and and everything that it did for me. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, I'm really I, – I don't know if I'm kicking myself because I spent so much money on other optics – or that there was an opportunity to do it because you said a little bit earlier that the price kind of, you know, I see the price and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I need to spend more to get quality. And I'm really finding that uh, that may not be the total case. So, yeah, I would say, you know, that, you know, my guess is those, the other optics that you have are quite excellent optics, right? And, but I do think, you know, in certain cases, that isn't the case. Like you, you don't have to spend that much to get a uh, an equal or similar or and sometimes even you know better level quality. Now, in the same breath, I'd say you know you definitely want to do your research. You know, particularly when when you're buying maybe a uh, an optic or really anything that that carries a lower price tag, and you know definitely do your due diligence so you don't you know find yourself getting to the range and you know find out why maybe why it was priced that way. You know. Absolutely, because there are there are some places out there that advertise or they'll they'll put their product out and the the price is you know too good to be true and a lot of the times that means the product you're getting is too good to be true. Um, but really, in, after putting hands on it, and we we actually had a situation because I have the the Ranger 1000 um, from that demo pack and we were out shooting. And all of a sudden, uh, we're off the road quite a ways in the desert, and somebody comes barreling past us. Uh, they're going off-road, and they're, like, driving parallel, you know, right along where we're at shooting. And so I lose sight of them, and they're they're down range now in front of us, so we've ceased firing. And uh, I used it to kind of set up our targets and stuff just to, to check the distances and things like that. Uh, and then I used it to see that they're 800 yards out, 
and uh, in kind of the the line of fire. Uh, so we had to readjust everything to make sure that the, the idiots that decided that they were just going to drive in front of us as we were <laughs> target shooting and the whole family's out there. Um, so we could readjust. So I, it was my first time using a rangefinder in that, and I found it extremely easy. Um, it helped in that situation because I wasn't sure if they were downrange. We had ceased you know, shooting because, you know, idiots are people too, and idiots have people that love them. Um so we were able to adjust, but that with the strike fire, I haven't gotten a chance to put the the other optic up on my 6.5 Creed more yet. I'm waiting for a couple more parts to put that on. Uh, but I'm really excited about the quality. I was telling Mark um, last week as we were going back and forth setting up a date uh, for him to come on. Um, I, I grabbed my other scopes and just really wanted to compare. and was ex- I wasn't quite sure what I was expecting, um, but I'm quite impressed. And um as time goes on and those AR lowers, all 900 of them that just multiply in my safe, as I read, <laughs> found out this weekend, I texted him and I told him I found a couple more I didn't know about. Um, as they actually grow up and become rifles, uh, I'm going to need optics on those. And uh, I really like the, the the affordability, the price structure of everything. Um you can get into long range shooting. You can get into, you know, up close red dots. You can get into the strike fire line, uh, the prism scopes. We actually gave away a couple of prism scopes, uh, to first responders and veterans about two years ago, uh, right after you guys were on the show. Um, and we've got, we've got something else coming up that, uh, we're not going to quite let out of the bag yet, but, uh, Mark has agreed to be a part of that too. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, if I was a, a first time, excited about that. Yeah. If I was a, a first time shooter, Mark, uh, I just got my new AR-15. It's a, a Smith & Wesson or a Colt, something like that. It doesn't really matter the brand. And I'm looking for something that I just want to, I just want to plank between like 50 and 100 yards, maybe have it on my, my rifle for home defense purposes. I'm just looking to kind of get into the optics game. What would you recommend for somebody that's in that position? So, you know, you could go a couple different ways. Um, you know, uh, tough to beat a dot site, right? I mean, they're simple. They're fast, effective for a new shooter. Um, you know, it, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Um, you know, put the dot on it, give it a good squeeze, and that's, you know, once obviously once you have a zero, you know, that's where it's going to go. Uh, wide, wide field of view, um, very friendly for head placement, right? You know, you got zero parallax, so, you know, even if your head placement isn't ideal or, or maybe you're a youth and you're just getting, uh, you know, used to shooting, um, as long as that, dot is, you know, whatever that dot is on is, is where that bullet's going to impact. Um, so that's a really, really great way to go. Um, another good option could be a 1X variable, right? You know, you talked about the, uh, the Strike Eagle 1-6 to six, or now the Strike Eagle 1-8. to eight. You know, with that, you're getting a little bit of red dot sight functionality, you know, at 1X on the low end, um, a, lot of, a lot of those similar features. But then you're also able to, you know, crank up the zoom and and engage targets, you know, at at medium distance. So if you want to, you know, stretch uh, stretch the cartridge and the rifle platform out a little bit. So those would probably be the two that I would look at first for kind of general plinking shooting. Um, and then, you know, like like we've touched on a little bit, we definitely have a host of options that um, that uh, you know, depending on the person's application, you know, would would suit their needs and, and what they want to do. 
Now, if you're first time getting into long range, what what platform or what optic, what scope? Uh, if you're doing, say, a 6.5 Creedmoor or maybe um, a Grendel, something that went out a little bit further, uh, what would you recommend to somebody? So a um, couple different things. You know, first time getting getting into that, um, I would look at our, um, our Diamondback Tactical Series. Um, that's probably kind of our entry point into, you know, uh, a rifle scope where you're going to be able to, to dial – uh, corrections for for longer range shots. Um, there's a, um, a three to nine. Uh, there's a four to twelve in that series. They both have exposed uh, turrets. They track super true um, optically. They're pretty dang solid. I mean, for for what a guy's going to have in or gal that's going to have into that optic um, optically, they they do a really nice job. Um, we actually uh, Jim and Ryan. Uh, actually had uh, one mounted on a on a Ruger American and six five Creedmoor took it to uh, a range that we have set up here locally and uh, got a got a quick zero got some quick dope and they were banging steel at a thousand like shot after shot so I mean and that was with the three to nine version so um, uh, you know so I would I would start there I, I would probably transition up a little bit into the into the uh, Viper HST series which is almost like a you can almost kind of call it a big brother to the Diamondback Tactical. There's a four to sixteen and a six to twenty-four uh, by fifty uh, version of that, and that's the Viper HST thirty millimeter tube. Um, again, they track super true, optically sound. Um, got some information in the reticle there, and then you know, kind of a tier above that. You know, we're kind of going, we're kind of going good, better, best into the like the uh, I'd say the mid-tier to the upper mid-tier of quality. So, um, you know, then I'd, then I'd take a hard look at the uh, the Viper PST Gen 2s, you know, 30-millimeter tubes, um, first and second focal plane models available, um, exposed turrets for dialing, uh, um, the the uh, um, the, uh, the longer-range versions have a, uh, um, a zero-stop, feature on the elevation turret so you want to come back home you've got a hard stop at zero uh illuminated uh glass etched reticles there's just there's a lot of go a lot of lot going on with that viper pst gen 2 series that make it um extremely appealing to you know um any long range shooter um any tactical enthusiast anybody looking for uh essentially a lot of the features that come on those top tier rifle scopes but at a uh, a more uh, but at a price range that's a little bit more within reach. Now, if I know absolutely nothing about what you just said, if all the numbers, if if all the technical terms that you threw at me, I knew nothing about, and I needed direction or I needed guidance. Uh, how responsive is Vortex as a company if somebody reaches out to you and says, "Here's what I want to do. Here's what I got. Can you help point me in the right direction?" So yeah, no, great point. You know, and a lot of that stuff, it's like you know, I even take a step back about how we talk around the office here, and you're like, "Wow, there's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of terms. It's like you know, unless you're entrenched in it, it's like speaking in code, right? It's like an, it's like another language. So um, with that, uh, you know. And even even reading it, even you know, going online and trying to research it yourself, it can be pretty complex. So I would say, um, number one, give us a call. I mean, we've got a team of guys here that, that I mean, that is what they do. They field phone calls. Um, you know, the, you know, each one of them is extremely well versed in our products, in guns, in shooting, 
in in each respective shooting application. Um, heck, if a person, you know, even if it's not optics related, gives a call because you know we can we can walk people through you know other other related questions they might have. But um, sometimes that's the easiest way to get on the phone and you can hash it out and you know uh, any 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 question a person might have on on a rifle scope or how they're going to be using it or how it works. Um, man, we're we're happy to happy to answer those. And then along with that, all the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, YouTube. Uh, we've got a lot of instructional videos on our website that can walk people through things, um, answer questions. But, I mean, the biggest thing I'd say is, uh, you know, contact us. Just in, in, any, in, in whatever fashion you're most comfortable, give us a shout, shoot us an email. Hit us on one of our social platforms, and uh, we'll get back to you. Guys, you heard uh, Mark there. He, he said even if it's not optics-related, so if you need the secret of life or you need to have the birds and bees talks with your kids, call Vortex Optics, and uh, they'll, 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 they'll handle it for you. Uh, I appreciate that that customer service. Uh, we sent you over some of the uh, listener questions uh, that came in. Some of them um, we can't. We can't answer or Mark can't answer because they are regarding uh, future products or things that are coming up. And, of course, the optics industry is very competitive. So uh, some of those questions we aren't able to get to. But the ones we could, uh, we're going to start with right now. So uh, Tyler wrote in and I said, what is the difference in optic clarity and quality between your Strike Eagle series and the Viper PST line? So yeah, you know, in the, the the clarity the clarity question that's it's always it's always a tough one to attack, right? Because everybody's eyes are different, people see different things. I'd say in general, right? Um, the PSTs are definitely going to be a step up, and that's going to be for a variety of reasons, from the optical design itself to the glass, the coatings, the prisms. All those things are going to work together to provide um, a clear image. That said, the Strike Eagle series is incredibly sound um, as far you know optically and and mechanically. Um, so you know I don't think you're going to go wrong with either. I'd say the best thing, and I guess I'm providing an answer without giving an answer. I would go um, to a retailer that has both of them and and look through both of them and try to do it. Um, you know maybe. You know, if, if light transmission is one of those things that you're trying to evaluate, you know, try, try and maybe go a little bit later in the afternoon. Um, you know, try to go to a place where you can pick out, um, you know, maybe they have a resolution chart um, or maybe there are some things, you know, at distance uh, that have, you know, finer details where you can, um, you know, take a look at those things and, and see, um, you know, I guess, you know, come to your own conclusion on that because, I mean, that's, you know, um, and like I said, I'm not trying to not give an answer, but um, you're the one that's going to be shooting it, so you know you're the one that you know should know exactly what's going on there. But they're they're both they're both great optics, but that PST is going to be a step up. And uh, Tyler also writes, uh, any re- recommendations for those of us with stigmatisms, red dots and scopes? Uh, astigmatism makes the dot all blurry. I've heard that changing the dot color helps. So any chance of a green dot optic? Now that's something that attracts me. So yeah, and I'd say Tyler, awesome question, and I'm glad you asked it. So um, a great option, uh, and this is one that we recommend a lot because that is and a really common thing, right? You know, um, oftentimes people don't find out they have an astigmatism until they buy a red dot and they say, oh, this looks like a starburst or this looks like a comma or or some other 
you know, thing that's not a dot, right? And so, and actually, if anybody's out there, you know, one way to um, see if that's the case, if it actually is is the user's eye and, and not the dot itself, is to take a picture of it because the camera's not going to lie, right? So, but getting into options, uh, one that I think is a great fit is the, um, oh, gosh, now I'm just, I, I've talked myself into tizzy and I, I'm trying to, um, the Spitfire, my goodness, I can't believe that escaped me. So the Spitfire 1X, right? So that's, that's a 1X optic. It's a prism scope. So that prism-based design uh, gives you two things. It gives you the ability to make a highly compact, lightweight optic, but the reticle is actually actually uh, etched directly on the prism. So it's, it's not a dot. It's actually a reticle that's etched on the prism, but it is illuminated as well. So a person with astigmatism, um, that would be one that, that, that I would tell them to give a try because um, you're not going to have, have those same issues as you, as you would with a dot site. Um, a difference between that and, and the red dot was you will have a set eye relief. So you, you will have, you know, not necessarily the, uh, um, the mounting flexibility that you would with a red dot, but, man, you're going to have a very similar functionality as far as, um, as, as, far as you know, the operation of the optic and how it's going to perform, perform in the field. Next. Now, do most of your optics um, use the, uh, what is it, uh, the very common... Calculator watch battery, uh, is it the 2532 or whatever the common one is? So, yeah, um, you know, and, it, and it'll run the gamut. You know, some run on a CR2, some, um, or 2032, um, some on a AAA. So, I mean, it, it will vary, but, um, and, and oftentimes um, just kind of the form and the function of the optic, you know, kind of dictate, dictate which one that will be. So do you try to keep it into the pretty common ones or you know how many of them are using the uh what is it the one two three uh, so uh, it's been so long since they've even tinkered with batteries so um but you know the, the more yeah i'd, common I'd say by, ones. by and large you know you know our our optics that require you know that that have illumination or like in the case of a red dot you know i mean that is the uh you know that that is essentially the, the aiming point um we definitely try to make them so that it's, it's it's a common battery that, you know, person's going to be able to find, you know, at, at, at the grocery store or the gas station in the event, you know, they need to uh, replace it. Well, that, that's always my problem because at the moment I want to use it is the uh, requirement for me to change it. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, um, and, you know, you kind of bring up a, another good point, you know, um, like the Strike Fire that we talked about or, or the Spark AR, um, those will have... An automatic shutoff. So if you if you do leave that on, um, I'd say typically it's you know about the same time as as a duty shift. Um, you know it will. You know you don't run the risk of leaving it on and 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 running that battery down. Um, but and which you know if that is a concern for a person, you know that's where that Spitfire um, that Spitfire AR comes into play because even it even if you did leave the illumination on with that or maybe your battery ran out over time, whatever, what have you, um, you're always going to have that reticle that's etched on the prism there. So it'll be, you know, you, you know, you always have a point of aim whether or not the, the illumination is engaged or not. Now that prism mechanism doesn't um, prevent you from being able to co-witness iron sights, right? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Now I would say, that's a good question. Let me get back to you on that. 
Now, I would say with that, though, it kind of alleviates the need because you're never going to, you know what I mean? Like, the optic is always going to have, it's always going to be there, you know? Now, what? Wait a minute, Mark. You're you're telling the old iron sight guy that you've reached an age where there's no need for iron sight. Yeah, you don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> Reed well, just declared I, war. I will, I will always go the route of thinking I need to put irons on my rifles because you know when the bear gnaws on it or someone put the bullet through it, I still want to be able to service or take my rifle to the field. There you go. There you go. You know Reed's license plate. You know when you see Reed in Texas because his license plate is iron sights, and he actually has a set of iron sights on on the hood of his car. There's no emblem there. There's no hood ornament. It's just a front sight post right there. So he's <laughs> he's pretty passionate well, about it. That's how, I, that's how I keep it between the lines. <laughs> or aimed at your target. Um, how, how else are you supposed to get that big buck? <laughs> uh Michael writes in he's our uh, favorite I think former California resident now I think he's uh, retired um Michael a friend of the show and we look forward to seeing you at Shot Show this year uh he's got a compliment and a question um he's uh, saying you guys make a great products great customer service at such a great price he's not sure how you guys do it uh and his question is is the ocular uh, supposed to move on a spitfire does it affect the zero so, yeah, good question, Michael, and appreciate all the kind words. That's awesome, So and appreciate you uh, being a Vortex customer. Sounds like uh, you have one of those. So, so yeah, it is supposed to – so that's going to be – that's a reticle focus, right? So um, that's going to, um, you know, from user to user, as you turn that, you know, you're going to find an optimal point for you um, that's going to bring that in nice and sharp. Okay. And last but not least – uh, Austin, uh, are you guys hiring? I live in Wisconsin. So, uh, another good question. So, I would say the short answer, yes-ish, right? You know, I would check out the website. You know, they, um, you know, we are, um, you know, hiring at times. You know, uh, for you know specific positions. So, I'd say check the website. Um, you know, there's a you know an employment tab there. You can look through available positions. Um, you know, things occasionally pop up. So. Uh, yeah, if interested, give it a look. Um, give our HR department a call if you have any questions. I'm sure they'd be happy to speak with you as well. Um, and uh, But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd poke around. So, Man, give them a call. Ask about possible job openings. Ask them the meaning of life. To talk about the birds and bees with your kids. We'll cover all sorts of topics. I'm pretty sure the, the phone conversation will be warranted too. There you go. There you go. As long as, long as the meaning of life questions and the birds and the bees ones don't come to my phone, then I'll, I'll farm anybody out for those ones. <laughs> awesome. Reed, do you have, and if they have an answer, if they have an answer, then I'll probably want to listen in as well. <laughs> we'll record it and play it back. Hey, Reed, do you have any uh, other questions you'd like to mar- ask Mark before we wrap it up? No, I think Mark, you've answered all of my questions, and I think at this point, you know, just thank you so much for sharing your time with our listeners and us, and we do appreciate you coming on board. No, holy mackerel, guys! No, I appreciate you. Uh, taking the time to chat with me and, you know, of course, you know, any, any time somebody wants to b- talk about, you know, optics and guns and hunting, you know, we're in over here. But, no, appreciate you guys uh, extending the offer and, and the platform to, to chat about those things and, and talk a little bit about Vortex. And, um, man, all the thanks is on our end. So, Mark, tell them how they can get a hold of you guys. So, yeah, um, like, like we talked about before, any of the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, give us a call here at the office, and that's 800-426-0048. 
Um, you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at vortexoptics.com. Um, so, yeah, nope, we're, we're wide open, and, and we definitely we, we want to hear from people. We want to answer those calls. We want to answer those questions and help folks out. So, um, I mean, truly, like, like we talked about, I mean, we're not just saying it. That's at the heart of Vortex. And, and uh, you know, heck, like I said, we just like talk, talking guns and hunting and shooting. So um, we're, we're definitely here for that. Awesome. Well, hey, Mark, uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future, and uh, thank you for coming on uh, the AR-15 podcast. That's going to wrap it up for us. If uh, you have any questions or comments, send them to ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe and listen to the AR-15 podcast for free on iTunes or on Stitcher. Uh, you leaving a five-star review there really helps out and uh, pushes the show up higher in search results. Uh, share your pics with us on Instagram. We're really active over there at AR-15 podcast. Tag your pictures with the hashtag AR15 podcast. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash AR15 podcast. Uh, we also have the shirts up for sale for pre-order. Uh, you can go to the Patriot Patch. Dot co and uh, look under partners for the AR15 podcast. We have the pre-order for our patches and shirts. Um, every purchase kicks back some support to the show, helps us pay for recording equipment and uh, upgrading some of the things like a new website for the podcast. So check it out, patriotpatch.co. Go to the partners page and you'll see us right there. And with that, we've uh, wrapped up episode 226 of the AR15 podcast. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.